0: Hi, I'm Brady Breeze, safety for the Detroit Lions, and you're listening to The Only
1: Playbook. What is up, Only Playbook fans? We are back. Episode 50, the half-century mark. Guys, we're here. How quickly it comes. Uh, We're The Only Playbook. I'm Sweet Car Chovit. Happy fifty, half century. It's a cricket term. I don't know if many people will get that. So whatever. Is there a fiftieth episode? Yeah, fiftieth at five zero.
0: Damn. Cool. Isn't, wow. that
1: feel, isn't that feel like that happened so quickly? Where the hell were else were we talking about? All those other episodes.
2: <laughs> Probably football
1: to ah damn because we are in fact the only playbook now again appreciate you guys joining in special episode today this is the first time we're going to try something a little bit new uh if you listen to the last couple episodes you know that we're doing some off-season outlook stuff um if you enjoy any of our content we appreciate all the support and all of our social media twitter instagram tiktok at the only playbook and if you're watching you're watching on youtube if you're listening you're listening to probably on spotify google Apple, or if you're crazy, Anchor FM even. So I appreciate all the support thus far, guys. Keep it coming. This has been a treat. Um, With that being said, again, this episode is going to be special. We have the off-season outlook for the NFC and the AFC South divisions, and we are going to bring a couple of guests. We have two different friends that are – Big diehard fans of a couple of these teams we want to talk about. So uh, we want to get some outside perspective and some input, uh, kind of see kind of their homer bias come into play. And then and, and us kind of from a neutral third party, see kind of how that collides. So uh, it's going to be really exciting. We're super excited about it. Shovey, um, let's jump right into it. So the first team on the board, we're going to start off with the NFC South Again, from shittiest to best, right? So the first team on the board is none other than the Carolina Panthers. My buddy Jake Flincham should be hopping on here with us any moment. Big diehard Panthers fan, grew up in North Carolina, Uh, so we're going to be super excited to hear kind of what he has to say. He's a huge Cam Newton fan, as is most Panthers fans, so just get ready for all of that to come out. Uh, and shine brightly. I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks Cam deserves an extension. Uh, But without further ado, it looks like we have Jake on. Jake, can you hear us? I can't see him. Jacob! Oh! Oh, technical difficulties. That, that was bound to happen, Being meaning this is the first time we're trying it. So um, let's give it a second anyways. But l- I'll keep talking about the Panthers, right? Panthers were last in the division. They were 5-12 and 12 last year, 2-4 uh, and four divisional record, minus 100-point differential. So scoring points was a problem, and giving up points clearly was not for the opposing team. So uh, a really, really tough season for them. Um, Jake, let's try this again. Second time's a charm.
3: Not bad. I don't know what happened there. No, you're what good. Up? You're good. Can you hear What's us, up, guys? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Yep, we can hear you loud and clear. Again, Shoshovit, this is my buddy Jake. Jake, for the audience, you for as much as I've told them is you are a diehard Panthers fan, but I kind of want you to take it away, and I, I, I don't want to steal your thunder. So, give us a little bit of a background on you, how you became a Panthers fan, and kind of where your head's at right now.
3: Yeah, first off, I wanted to say, I wish you would have started this in 2015. <laughs> prime Cam Newton era. Would have been uh, a lot more fun to come on here and talk about the Panthers. I feel that. <laughs> but no, um, I started going to games when I was probably like four or five years old. I grew up in North Carolina, so I've been going to Panther games forever, back when Jake Delone was the quarterback taking the Yes.
1: Daylight come and you got it, alone, baby.
3: Yeah, got it. That was the guy for a while. Cam Newton era was a great time. And now we're here.
0: (laughs) Uh, 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 Top three Panthers of all time. Go.
3: Top three Panthers? Yeah. Uh, In my lifetime? In your lifetime. Probably Steve Smith would be my number one Panther of all time. Number two is probably Luke Kuechly. And then I think you got to put Cam Newton in that conversation. That's an admirable
1: list. Yeah, that's probably the top three guys I would have gone with in our lifetime as well. I mean, those are those are guys that put an imprint on the franchise, even football as a whole. Right. So, um, yeah. And and what I noticed about that, Jake, is you said, and we're here and there was like a huge drop off in like your excitement with 2022. So uh, I think your headspace and the Panthers fan base as a whole probably share the same sentiment. Uh, I know you and I were talking a lot. Uh, During the season and how, you know, we talked about how maybe Matt rule is done though. He's kind of lost the locker room, uh, but we're, you know, starting this season, if you will, the new league year started and he's still the head coach. So uh, from what you know, from where they were, if he had lost the locker room, how how does a team come back together under a coach for a whole new year and still function? And not to mention they have Sam Darnold.
3: That's what I was going to say, dude. That's what makes it tough is, you know, a lot of times that coach can be – you can bridge that gap if the quarterback's good enough to take control of the team. Mm-hmm. But I really are the two options we're looking at right now since Watson's off the table is either starting Sam Darnold or taking a shot on one of these rookie quarterbacks that haven't looked spectacular by any means. And so, you know, it's going to be tough. I think the defense is going to have to carry. They have been for the last really two years – And I think we do have the defense to where we could be competitive, but you know, this is a good time in the NFC South where I think we should have been making a lot of moves and we've not, you know, with the exception of Brady coming back, which was unfortunate for us. (laughs) But you look at the Saints, you know, without Drew Brees, just not the same football team. They're still good. Falcons, they just look like a disaster. So, you know, this would be a a great time for the Panthers to capitalize and, you know, one of my notes I took, here was what off season. We're, we're
1: just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you guys chime in here at any moment, uh, moment, but the Panthers still have $23 million in cap space. The problem is so many free agents are off the table and, and you're spot on in the fact that, you know, it, it, last year when they made that trade for Stefan Gilmore, the three of us were talking about, okay, it looks like the Panthers are really, really trying to win now. Like maybe they know how good their defense is and Stefan Gilmore, somebody that would take them over the top. And you're right. Like the edge rushers, the linebackers, the the cornerbacks, they're all still there for this year. So there is still a window of opportunity specifically, not just your, your division, but the entire conference in the NFC got weaker in the off season. Right. So there, is, there are times for, you know, Cinderella teams or teams that maybe are under the radar to make a splash this year but uh it is probably disappointing to see that you're losing so many free agents yet there has been little you know little addition that really makes a valuable impact and so um you know i'm right there with you in that you know it, it seemed like an opportunity for them to jump in and, and, and try to compete but uh it, it it doesn't seem like they've made enough moves to really lead the fan base to believe that
3: yeah and i know yeah. you and i, I don't know. Work and stuff as well and you know we feel like we're really an offensive line and a quarterback away from being an actual contender yeah you know, if you look at the defensive team with Shaq Thompson who a lot of people forget played safety at Washington before he got drafted dude can fly and plays yeah. line for us he's all over the place Brian Burns I think one of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL right now is just completely unstoppable we did lose Reddick, which hurts quite a bit but Ben told you uh, my bold prediction for the year. now that we're talking about the defense is I think that Jeremy Chen is going to be a top five safety in the NFL at the end of this season.
1: Wow. Any, 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 any reasoning behind that besides just like your own emotional Homer bias.
3: Yeah. No. um, You know, if you look at the top five safeties in the league, you know, I was doing a little bit of research before this. A lot of people talk about Jesse Bates uh, for the Bengals as one of the top safeties. You look at it. He had 88 tackles last year. Jeremy Chen had 102 tackles. We look at interceptions they both had one pass deflections chin had five bates had four you know he's flying under the radar and putting up incredible stats in a second season in the nfl i think that he's still got a lot of room to jump up and you know he's not just playing safety you know this is somebody that we bring in for sub linebacker packages he comes up and plays slot corner we even bring him off the edge because we know he had
0: that two score game when he was coming off the edge that one game yeah yeah. So, um, like, but yeah, but don't you think it a little bit has to do with the Panthers' defense being on the field so much? Kind of inflates the defensive stats a little bit there.
3: That definitely doesn't hurt. I mean, he's on the field quite a bit, but you know, I think if you watch enough of him playing, you, know, you see a lot of like I wrote down a comparison. And I really don't, you know, not saying he's going to be as good as this player, but when you watch him play, a lot of the tendencies are like what Ed Reed did. You know, the guy sure. can fly. He can hit hard, and he's always around the football. Okay. And as he progresses, gets older, starts to see the game a little better, he's going to really come on. That's
1: a big name, Ed Reed.
3: Yeah, I mean, not saying he's going to get to that status, but they play a similar style of football.
1: I guess you did say bold prediction. So that is as bold as it's going to get, but no, I, I I like where your head's at. I mean, you have to have those aspirations and it's always nice to have building blocks in young players that showcase the ability to take the next step and still haven't reached their untapped potential. So, um, I mean, again, at least there's something to look forward to. What do you think? I mean, let me ask you who's going to be the starting quarterback come week one. What's your prediction?
3: So I think there are two ways we could take this. I was thinking about it earlier. Number one is if we pick at six, we have to take a tackle. I don't think there is any other way to go for this draft. There are three good tackles that I think go in the top 10. One of them has to be to Carolina. If that's the case, we probably are going to end up rolling out Sam Darnold. I mean, for a $20 million contract, we aren't wanting to sign an additional quarterback to eat up that cap we have. So, you know, I think you just use him as the bridge quarterback, you know, prior to the injury to start the year. He wasn't horrible. You know, we started three and one. He had some good plays. Uh, he could be serviceable for a year. Or we could look to trade back with a team like the Eagles if they found a good asset there. If we could pick up two picks in the late first round, I think you may see the Panthers pick up a wide receiver and a quarterback. Okay. Now that like makes dog agrees with you there.
2: <laughs> uh, no, that that's good. That's really good stuff. Shova. you got anything for Jake? Yeah, I mean, I think that you guys can't shy away from Malik Mills as a, a quarterback option there. I think that he could be a good replacement once this Sam Darnold experience is, is over. Um, I mean, given that you've already have faith in that defense, I think that, you know, getting a guy like Malik Mills may be well, it's uh, a likewise. good answer there. Yeah.
1: Malik, Malik Willis. Willis. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, I mean, uh, that that was the first thought, Jake, is, if, is this is a team that took Cam Newton. So I would not, it would not shock me if this team surprises people and takes a guy like Malik Willis, a guy with a tremendous amount of upside. Like you said, you still have Darnold there. So if he needs to be the bridge quarterback for a year, I don't know how much Malik Willis can learn from Sam Darnold, but uh, yeah. at least he's there while Malik Willis is progressing behind the scenes. Um, but that's a guy that is very, very high risk. Uh, I mean, I guess middle, medium risk, but there's really, really high reward there with all the Josh Allen comparisons. So um, I I don't know if you get two draft picks or, or, you know, you have kind of a way to pay for the future. It wouldn't be the worst thing to me if they took a shot at a quarterback.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I think the big concern I have for taking a quarterback is just what we've seen in the past with terrible offensive lines, really ruining good quarterbacks. Yeah, I think you can look at like, not to say that Johnny Menzel or any of those guys the Browns drafted would have been good, but I don't think they even got the shot because they were just getting punished. and, And we saw that all year with the Panthers, with all of our quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, whoever was back there, you're going to be punished. And so without addressing offensive line, I think we're putting somebody like Malik Willis in a bad situation where there's a good chance he could get hurt out there playing football for the Panthers this year, honestly. Uh, so addressing that left tackle, you know, we have Taylor Moten on the other side. We have a good right tackle. We need somebody to cover the blind side first. And then, you know, I would be fine with us taking a quarterback. Even, I know it might not be popular, but a guy like Sam Howell in the sec, top of the second round, mm-hmm. a guy that we could maybe mold local, went to UNC Chapel Hill, keep him in North Carolina and, you know, see if we could mold him after a year of sitting and watching Darnold suck.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, again, I think all really, really great stuff. It's nice to tap into the mind of a actual fan of the team. And, you know, I I like that you're very level headed and logical in your thinking and not taking a lot of emotion into it because it's such an emotional sport. And when you have this diehard fandom, it's so easy to get emotional, right? So uh, I appreciate uh, the very, very, you know, high level thought process behind all of this. Uh, Jake, any final words about your team on the only playbook here?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, here's some emotion for you to end it, actually. I love this. We would rather you sign Cam Newton. Let us lose 17 games and see Sam Darnold play.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, spoken like a the absolute epitome of a Panthers fan, and specifically a Cam Newton fan. Man, I mean, again, that would make watching the Panthers probably much more enjoyable. So, uh, amazing way to end things, Jake. Thank you so much for hopping on, man. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again. Go Panthers, bro. I'm rooting for. Yeah,
3: him. absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Go Panthers.
1: Absolutely. Jake Flinch, appreciate you joining us and diving into the Panthers. Uh, this is probably more than the regular amount of Panthers talk we'd probably see on the only playbook. do you guys have any final thoughts on the Carolina Panthers this off season and kind of what you can take away for them heading into 2022?
0: Yeah, I got, I got one. Um, you know, you could do something with CMC while you still have them. We don't know. They don't know how much longer they have them and, you know, running backs aren't as valuable as people may uh, think they are, but there are a few that are, you know, special and, CMC, you know, uh, you could get some picks out of this. Unfortunately, they have been vocal about CMC getting traded. It's just that no one's biting.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they just restructured his contract. So they saved like 5.5 million, like literally maybe a couple hours ago. Uh, So it's good for the Panthers to at least head in that direction. But let's screw the Panthers. Let's jump over to the next team here. Moving on to the second team in the NFC South, we have none other than the Atlanta Falcons. And joining us is probably the biggest Falcons fan I've ever met. Uh, mm-hmm. I was introduced to you from Shashot. So Shoshot, I'm going to let you take this away first before we give d the spotlight.
0: Yeah, um, just, to, just some, uh, some uh, info about d to start off some things. Um, his favorite player, who's your favorite Falcon of all time? Is it Julio? It was, yeah,
4: yeah, it was
0: Julio, yeah. So, yeah. big Julio Jones fans, um, you know, it's a classic Falcons fan here, just a lot of mouthing, just a lot of mouthing, not enough results. Um, uh, I think, you know,
4: can, yeah. I think that can be said for all our all oh, I know. Except I know, except for the ones that have won Super Bowls. And I I agree, I think, you. I think, um, is it, is it, uh, it? Uh, that's a that's a Steelers fan, right? Steelers, yeah, yeah. So, so I can back can up any any, any any kind of shit talk, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Agreed. So the also leads the league in amount of f words thrown towards Patriots fans. So definitely um,
4: true, definitely true. Yeah.
0: So he he because you know 28 to three just lives on forever now. Now that Tom <laughs> Brady's gonna make a movie out of it. Uh-huh. You know
1: what's You know what rhymes with 28 to three? What PTSD? Oh uh,
0: no. <laughs> Yeah, it's very real. PTS that, is very real. That, that one games. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk some football. You know, last season, you guys were 7-10, and 2-4 uh-huh. uh, in the division, and your point differential was minus 146. Just defense wasn't doing anything, and offense couldn't put up points outside of the guy named CPAT. So, right. you know, um, with this minimum cap space now, uh, you did get rid of Matt Ryan. Um, you know, there's a new quarterback at helm. What, what are the moves you want to make? What are the Are you happy with some of the moves that have been made and tell us about your draft strategy?
4: Um, I think realistically we have to either draft or sign a wide receiver. There is no talent at the wide receiver position. We lost Russell gauge. Um, so on offense, I think that's one of the main positions to target whether it is free agency or the draft. I, if I had to put like a bet on it, I would probably say that would happen through the draft because you don't want to waste free agency capital, um, with the limited cap space. Um, uh, another position is linebacker. Cause we lost Foye Aluakon to the Jags and for whatever reason, Dion Jones had decided to have the worst fucking season of his career <laughs> last year. Uh, so it was pretty disappointing to watch, but I really thought maybe they would resign foyer and move on from Deion Jones, but that didn't happen. Um, also, got rid of Dante Fowler. We've always needed pass rush, pass rush help, but uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> we swing and miss in terms of drafting pass rushers, uh, except for I guess Vic Beasley, but then he's not even in the league anymore. So,
0: so you sound like a very defeated fan, and um, the words you used a couple of days ago in our group chat was. I, this may be the first year I don't watch any Falcons games, and that was right no. after the Marcus, and that was after the Marcus Mariota trade. Um, I thought I mean, that was a pretty good trade. I was telling these guys they should trade for him, and in a matter of hours it happened. I kind of like the move with Cordell Patterson in the backfield. They're going to go with more of a uh, trickery approach, and I yeah, think that's yeah, you know, it's it's a nice p- change of pace in the in in the world of the Falcons.
4: I think the familiarity Arthur Smith has with um, Marcus Mariota is going to p- play a huge role or mm-hmm. did play a huge role in acquiring him. Um, you know, there's a reason he was a first, first overall pick. So obviously the talent's there. And I mean, I'm, Oh, a second, sorry. Winston uh, was
1: first, I believe that year.
4: Oh, what a terrible. Draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, like that says it all. Yeah. Like who are these fucking GMs? <laughs> Um, But The talent is there. Um, I really like Arthur Smith to extract as much as he can from Marcus Mariota. Obviously, I think you'll see him on the move a lot. Like, um, you know, uh, bootlegs, keepers, you know, everything and anything possible. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. The track record isn't great, but I'm cautiously optimistic about Marcus Mariota um, I was actually curious. Uh, I think Ryan Tannehill, his first year was like when he got there and he had the, you know, mid-career transformation and everybody like, you know, kind of took him seriously. Again, I, I think Lafleur was the offensive coordinator the first year and then it was uh, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, yeah. If I remember correctly. But, again, I – I'm very disappointed we didn't get Deshaun Watson. I will say that.
1: <laughs> Did you? If you if you heard what Shushter said the last episode or the end of it, he said we might have somebody joining us in a Deshaun Watson jersey. And I was listening to it today, and I was like, man, you're just gonna be. So I was.
4: Sad. Hey, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I bought into all the hype. I usually don't get that crazy about it, but I mean, come on, man. The Browns, though, this is where career like quarterback careers go to die
1: it's a it's it's a different time man it's a different time with the browns but i'm with you because the whole the way the whole thing transpired was really really like deceiving because the browns were out of it deshaun watson literally said the browns are out of it and the final two teams were the saints and falcons and with all of the atl recruiting and nothing nothing coming from new orleans i felt like the writing was on the wall like we were talking last episode like all right this is it watson's gonna be a falcon he's gonna have that atl show but talk about how much money he's gonna drop at the strip clubs there so Like we were already mentally prepared for that. And I can only imagine for a fan to be mentally prepared from like post Matt Ryan era and to have somebody like Deshaun Watson only for that to slip away. On top
4: of that, on top of that, he's, he's literally my favorite quarterback in the NFL right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's been my favorite quarterback in the NFL for maybe the past three years. I'm always, you know, banging on the Deshaun Watson drum. Um, but, uh, I just I I really it really baffles me like but I mean I I get it right now if you look at talent and if you look at what Cleveland has comprised they're way more ready to win than we are
1: oh absolutely they were a quarterback away last year and Baker was the problem
4: right right and uh, I mean I I don't like I get it but it's just like (sighs) the Cleveland Browns historically are a terrible franchise I I mean maybe maybe he can go there and transform he's the
0: one You dude, know, dude. that's why I compared
4: him to LeBron. That's why I compared him to LeBron. Dude, like, you're absolutely you know, right. Like, like he could change the fortunes of you're, you're, Cleveland football. I'm, I'm with you, dude.
0: This this is I, I've been saying. Like this guy is just as good as Mahomes. He has every talent Mahomes has. Right. Except he's a little bit faster and he's a little bit stronger. So it's like right, exactly. You know, like we've seen what he can do, and it's not even just the play style. It's the 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 mindset. Like right, the, right. The plays he exact- that he just doesn't. I right. you know?
4: attack every play, you know, like, right. Right. And, and I really like, he's an aggressive downfield thrower and like he, he's, he's not going to just take what the defense gives him. Right. Gonna, right. Right or wrong. He's going to force the issue. And he's thrown some bad picks for that. I won't deny that. Yeah. But, but having I, an I, offensive
0: I, line like the Browns and having those two running backs back there, and now you exactly. have Amari Cooper and some bunch of Randos that could put, that's a lot of numbers. He's going to Right, over.
4: right, right. Um, I will. uh, Another thing I'll add. um, I'm going all over the place and
1: you're good. You're good. Let's reel it back in from uh, imagination world because Watson's not coming. So that's over. Let's talk (laughs) about what is here. How can you be optimistic with what you have?
4: Well, okay. so offensively, there really aren't many pieces. I'm going to I'm not going to lie. This is probably the worst offensive. uh, Yeah, You're not
0: lying. It's very bad. Falcons
4: team I've seen since like Joey Harrington. Ooh, Damn, Oregon boy! Uh, you, Another you know, Oregon
0: quarterback. When, we're oh gonna get God. the ball and we're gonna win. When, was that then, him? Or was I think that, that was Tim like
4: Austin? 2007 when that Yeah. Not when Bobby Petrino dipped out after like a week. Yeah. Um, but
2: yeah. the Falcons like, you know, are pretty bad. They're they're a bad team. I mean, like when you look yeah, at we, the stats and like I'm usually and, uh,
4: I'm usually like a homer and you know I'll try to like sugarcoat it or something. Right now I can't really sugarcoat anything because they offensively, were. I, I i prefer the offensive side of the game not that not that defense isn't important and it's not exciting to me but like off i feel like as the nfl moves forward i think offense is more important um just yeah. definitively um yeah but talent wise we're just so decimated like and then calvin ridley decided to go make parlays you know and and now he's out for the year like we drafted this bum when he was fucking 25. Now he's what 28. He's already old. Sorry. That's just me. No,
0: you're tell tell us about, tell us about which non bums you're looking for in this upcoming draft.
4: I really haven't paid much attention to the draft to be honest yet um okay. and uh, with the
1: 8th overall pick no paying attention I mean I guess you there's really no way to go wrong with what to draft because you need so much help all over the field um I mean it seems like a best available at 8 at this yeah, point Yeah
4: that's I mean that's the smart way to go um if we can get uh if we can get like from my Georgia boys uh you know uh, Dean yeah <laughs> and <laughs> dean oh my god nikobe dean would be a perfect replacement for foya lucon um if we could get jo- uh jordan davis even uh, jo- that might be a little high that's too high
1: davis. for jordan davis
4: yeah. i mean uh, great great
1: combine but let's not let's be real here
4: or or the other guy uh what's his name he ran a force he's like 290 I'm trying to think of
1: the- I thought that was Jordan Davis is that no, not Jordan, okay, Davis? Jordan Davis is 6'6
4: 340 and ran a 472 okay no, no
1: no so that's who so I was thinking of. yeah no, that is who I was thinking of so
2: I don't know who the other guy you're thinking of um, um
4: here I'll look him up right now
2: but it, Chauvin, I feel like you were going to say something earlier go ahead yeah I know I mean they're they're a pretty bad team in uh in terms of like you know pass block run block you know, yeah, on the offensive side, that's pretty bad. And then as far, there were 28th and 29th in the uh, league uh, last year. And it's in terms of like the defensive, getting to the quarterback, getting to the running backs, they can't even do that. So they're pass rushing and they're, you know, just their run explosion is just terrible. So I think that getting a linebacker is probably going to be more important. I know the flashy, like getting receivers, and that seems as like the fun way to go. Right, but right. With the team that needs help everywhere, and they're in this rebuilding uh, a- aspect, I think that maybe an edge rusher somewhere on the defensive fix that pass rushing a little bit. I would uh, love an edge rusher. That.
4: I would love an edge rusher. We've attempted multiple times to draft ed- edge rushers, but it's gone piss poor. Uh, If I can be completely honest, you know, like, yeah, there's no sugarcoating that. Like we tried with Vic Beasley. We tried with Tack McKinley. I think the last time. Abraham?
0: uh, Is Abraham the
4: last good defensive end? out of my mouth. Like, you know, (laughs) when we signed John Abraham, we had Patrick Kearney, too. Yeah, Uh, he was a stud as well. Yeah, and that was supposed to be our big, like, oh, bookend defensive ends. We're going to have a solid defense. Patrick Kearney got hurt, and then John a- John Abraham like left, and then John Abraham, you know, he went and did some
1: Bollywood him. movies or something, right? No. no, no, that's a different John Abraham, I think. It's pretty
4: good. You know, you know what's funny? Every time you Google John Abraham, that's who pops up. <laughs> kind of before knows, the football player like, John Abraham. Relevant than, than second all-time
1: force fumbles, John Abraham. Only you would know that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean I, again it, you're you're like a embodiment of how I felt like Atlanta Falcon fans currently felt. And I think you're helping bring that to life because it is the fucking reality, man. I mean, you guys had an era with Matt Ryan where it was like, you know, it was fun and you guys got close and like it was consistently competitive, right? right it was consistently right, competitive. Right. And that's nice. Like that's where franchises want to be. But at right, some point, right. you're like, how the hell do you get over that hump and actually win the big dance? And it's like, right, right now, you're almost in like salary cap purgatory. You're like, roster yeah. is so decimated. So it's like, dude, I just need like one sliver of hope or glimmer of hope to be right, like right, yeah let's just I, run with that I've never
4: felt this bad about a Falcons team going into the season than I ever have to be quite honest um like I really don't know I, I mean I can see Marcus Mariota yeah, this like, is a
2: safe place it's okay
1: I can see <laughs> so Marcus Mariota
4: having a decent season it's gonna like his ability to scramble and get out the pocket and run um it's gonna like take some pressure off the offensive line definitely and and I mean we I can't I'm not gonna say Matt Ryan is mobile and he wasn't part of the reason that you know that the offense wasn't you know performing at a certain level um I'm also pretty disappointed about the compensation we got to be honest like a third and they didn't take anything like they're not the cap yeah eating any of that money so it's like
1: Dude, the dead cap space that the Falcons are incurring is astronomical. It's, it's. I think it's the most all time. Is. So, is it? I think it's it literally is. the most. 47 million the, is the, the worst. The fucking uh, answers do this
4: annually. Mickey yeah. Loomis, Mickey Loomis probably like pays Roger Goodell under the table. <laughs> There's no way they make the cap every year. And then they somehow sign one big free agent. I don't I, get it.
1: I don't That's okay. Here that that there is a rumor that the cap is a myth and it's like dude how many times can you fucking backload contracts like right, you're paying Patrick right. Mahomes like $12 this year and like $15 <laughs> next year only to pay him 60 mil like when he's 40 yeah, like yeah. come on man like that's I not mean, doesn't seem fair
4: right right i think i think what we're seeing now with the falcons is is an uh is an attitude of going all in for many many years yep. with the same core and finally the core has now Like outlast, like it's gotten it's gotten old. You get Mm -hmm. like you can't do anything about it, you know. And instead of replacing pieces as we go, now we're having to replace everything, and it's a it just it's not an easy situation to be in, for sure.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no,
1: good. Oh no,
0: no. I I was just saying some closing remarks. Nothing else.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, dear, give. Let's turn the page on the shittiness. Uh Give other Falcon fans. Any sort of hope you can for the future.
4: Um, I mean, we have a second team all pro in AJ Terrell. Uh he's a we stud. have a brilliant defensive mind in Dean Pease. Um, we have one of the most offensive innovative minds, uh innovative offensive minds in Arthur Smith. Um I I like the coaching staff. <laughs> I, I I trust in them. I know they don't want to be shit, you know, like it, but I think they recognize with like the limitations they have that expectations have to be tempered, you know? Uh I mean, best case scenario, maybe we fuck around and go 9 and 8, I don't know, 8 and 9, you know. Seven, seven playoff eight. teams now? That uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it like, is the NFC, any anybody can win the NFC nowadays. Right, exactly. And we need I'm interested to see Kyle
1: Pitt's evolution.
4: One touchdown was pretty poor, I'm not going to lie. But um, he's a game-breaking talent.
1: Hundred percent offensive you know? weapon, you know that you don't you you don't usually see tight ends get drafted fourth overall, you know, and, right. and usually exactly. you're you're not missing on a draft pick that's that like a tight end that early is not a draft pick right. you miss on. So the talent level is absolutely there. It was just really disappointing to see whether it was Pitts being young and like trying to adapt to the NFL or their inability to just get him the football. Like Uh force the guy that talented. I don't care if you're throwing interceptions. If you're at least forcing him the football, because that's your best opportunity to win. And it felt like at times they just were not going to him. I I don't know if you can speak more to that, or if you saw uh, the same.
4: I mean, I witnessed a lot of the same, and people said a lot of the same about Julio Jones and his red zone inefficiency. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of of Matt Ryan as a quarterback. I don't know if it's the play calling. It just it it also baffles me to be honest because why not why not take a like a force of fade or a slant inside throw when you have a big body receiver you know like I I I definitely feel like we we have to utilize him more in the red zone um um, I think another thing you guys should maybe consider is we have two draft picks uh two second round picks this year so you know maybe there's if there and two third rounders I think now um so if there's a player that slides late into the first, I could totally see us moving up and you know putting a package together if that if that's gonna address the need and like I don't ever like drafting by need to be honest, I feel like a lot of the times gms who draft by need lose their jobs within five to seven years,
1: yeah, there's an opportunity to reach because you feel like you have to fill that position and then you right. leave you you forego you know like a transcendent talent like a Randy Moss or something because exactly. you're like oh we didn't need a receiver, so right right. Um, no, I'm uh-huh. absolutely with you. Uh, any Anything else you guys got for d
0: No, just get ready for a lot of shit talking here in the next couple of days. Your ears will start bleeding.
4: I'm ready for it. I mean, at this point, I'm defeated. Like, I I really don't have any, like, fight left in me for, dude
1: you know, your your attitude is making me really want to root for the Falcons now because <laughs> i need you to get out of this fucking hey, like,
4: a, anybody who wants to hop on the bandwagon you know
1: just uh, just wait till this guy has like we're, one we're or two good, shots
4: you know you'll 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 remember these times
1: yeah i ab- no absolutely dude i'm absolutely rooting for the Falcons thank you so much for jumping on man hopefully we can do this again and any other falcon insight throughout the season that you want to provide us or shit we say that you're like dude they don't know the Falcons i know the Falcons feel free to let us know and jump on again man it's been a pleasure thank Thank you so much thank
4: you so much for having me uh, and i would love to do that uh we'll definitely we'll definitely d- discuss that thank you
1: absolutely have a good one man awesome. bye guys later bro the falcons the embodiment of the falcons as a fan base i mean again it was picture picture perfect of like how like every time we asked him give us some optimism it was just like like yeah. you know there's just like deep size, yeah. and it's hard to come up with things and like you're seeing Defeated. that from a fucking homer diehard fan you know people that have things to latch onto. and if somebody like him doesn't then yeah it tells us everything we didn't know we need to know about where the falcons organization is and i think one of the things he said uh is exactly how i felt is that they're the embodiment of a team that you know had a um core that was very very competitive they had a huge window and i mean you know if Super Bowl, if at least they got to the Super Bowl, but they never won. But I would say for that core, the Julio, the Matt Ryan, that core, I mean, overall, it's probably a successful core. You would have liked to have won a Super Bowl, but they were competitive. They made the Super Bowl. Um, so it's just time to turn the page and flip the chain, you know, flip the uh, or turn the corner, if you will. Yeah. And and I think trading Matt Ryan uh, even though I think one day he signs a one day contract and then retires yeah. the Falcon. Cause it Somehow. seems to make sense. I think it was, mm-hmm. th- it was time to trade him at Ryan. And yeah. I think the reason we know that it was time, even for the organization is the fact that they were willing to still take on his $47 million, dude, the Colts didn't have to take any of it. So it's like, dude, we're going to take all of it. You just take the quarterback. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things it's business that the window closed and, and, and you turn the page. So um, no, I think that was really, really good stuff, but we spent so much, time talking about shit teams. Like let's get to some better teams here. The new Orleans saints were the second team in the NFC South last year. Not a great team overall finished nine and eight uh, four and two in the division. They did have a point differential positive 29. So uh, I guess that's something to show for it. They current standing guys have $26 million still in cap space. Uh, I think their biggest cap hits next year are going to be Michael Thomas, who's a huge question mark. Like, I don't like, dude, where's that guy been? Like, I don't, I don't, is he going to be ready for, to to play this year? Like is his career done? I know nothing about that guy. And then obviously Cam Jordan at 12.4 million, but this is a team that I think we know, you know, life after Drew Brees has not been fun. I mean, and I think that's realistic for any franchise when you lose a hall of fame quarterback, but you know, the Taysom Hill overpaying where I think they talked to him, they said this year that Taysom Hill is not going to play quarterback for them. So like, why did you pay somebody to that much money to play like seven snaps? And then they did resign Jameis Winston. So I, I don't know, like I, this, this team is all over the place. You know, what are you guys reading into their offseason moves and what, how they look to tackle next year?
2: Yeah, I mean one of the biggest things was their uh, crazy high um, salary cap, right? They were down, mm-hmm. um, so they they've done some good work there. They've re- restructured their contracts of Michael Thomas, Andrews Pete, and Ryan Ramsis Ramsis Rams. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they restructured their contracts, um, so that that's good. And I'm sure they'll be making more moves to get some more space to uh, sign some of the draft picks. They signed safety uh, Marcus May and signed defense lineman Contavious Street, uh, who's Reunited with his defensive line coach uh, Ryan Nielsen from uh, North Carolina State or NC State. So those are some moves that they've had to make. But they also need to address, like you said, the the quarterback situation. Jameis Winston is he the guy, or is he, or what do what do you do there, right? Um, And and there's no there's not any quarterbacks right now in the free agency that you can go out and get or anyone that you can trade for Baker Mayfield or Jameis Winston. I mean. I would personally rather have Jameis Winston over It doesn't move Hickerman. the needle enough
1: to make the trade.
2: I, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and now you've lost Turner Armstead for your offensive lineman so who are you going to get from that uh, in that sense um, maybe go out and get someone from the draft. There's a, you know this this draft class is uh, there's a lot of depth as far as offensive lineman mm-hmm. um, goes and then the last thing that they need to figure out is the wide receiver core um probably someone that they're going to go out and, and draft as well. I wonder if like a guy like MVS uh, would be someone that they can try to go out and, and pick up because as last year, I mean, it was just who was going to get the ball. Like Callaway, we thought Callaway was going to be number one receiver and he kind of was really didn't show up much of the season. So there's a lot to address there on the offensive side. Um, and so I, uh, I'll i be, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to try to use a draft to handle some of their wide receiver and offensive line. Um, situation that they that they've come across. Yeah, you pretty much
0: covered all of it. Um, but a couple of things: um, the defense was formidable, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was. It got the job done. It got it got them to a positive win loss uh, record because um, it clearly wasn't the offense. And they lose some key places on top of that, right? Like arms losing Armstead is no joke. This is not a small feat that you can recover from. The only people you can re- replace him is like, you know three other players. That's it. So it's, and they're all superstars on a different team. You're not going to do a better job than you did with Armstead unless you draft some stud. Um, So they're kind of screwed there and they just lost Marcus Williams too. and went to the Ravens. So, you know, these, these uh, big name players on this team that were kind of holding on the saints from drowning are now gone. And now Winston's coming back. You're going to get more turnovers. Kamara's in purgatory. You know, you don't know how many games he's going to play. Punching. He probably wants
2: out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, He probably does. Why would he want to like waste his last few years of like prime uh, playing there when, you know, he's going to get hate. It's time for a fresh new start. And it's just a lot of chaos right now. This team is in, you know, we think this defense can still hold it together, but they they've lost enough pieces on both sides to kind of go on a steep decline. Um, Only thing positive here is, you know, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, still there. Uh, oh, he, Sean took, Payton. A oh, oh, yeah, he yeah. took a year off. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, he took a year off. Oh, sorry. The defensive
1: guy. Dennis now, Allen. Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen,
0: Allen yeah. is now there. So the, the philosophy of the defense still stays the same, right? So maybe mm-hmm. they'll find a way to uh, plug in the holes and stay alive. But I don't see staying alive as the way to win this division because a guy named Tom Brady's back and he's recruiting everything and everything already. He's getting their whole offense back already. Uh, even Fournette signed earlier today. Um, you know, they're just getting the gang back together and they're going to start throwing 40 touchdowns a game. Can you do that Saints? Can you even throw or not a game? Sorry, a season. So the, the way the see, the Saints uh, season is looking, uh, they're not in a position to keep up with 158 point differentials. They were at a 29 point, point differential on the positive end, but 29 versus 158, you know, and you know, so, some things here and there, like they were the Achilles heel for the Buccaneers and all that good stuff, but you're not gonna be. You're not gonna be winning very many games to even make those two wins against the Buccaneers. You know, uh, matter. Yeah, yeah, matter. So at the end of the day, this Saints team has declined significantly. They it's a whole new uh, process to get back to where they were, and even getting back to where they were is not good enough. They need to be better. They need to make bigger changes, and I'm not sure if they're gonna do that in time.
1: Yeah the, the the team the the is a nightmare on the offensive side right like you said you have one receiver that had, was dependable at one time and now i don't know where the hell he is show but that's actually a great match to me mvs because he's a deep threat and what does james winston like to do he just fucking throws bombs i feel like that's kind right. of a match made in heaven to be honest with oh, you God. um but but like that's it we're talking james winston to mvs as a match made in heaven for the saints like that's Bells five and 12, like that has five and 12 written all over it, you know? So it's like, dude, I, I don't that's know. Also, it, that's also the number of completions per attempt that they're going to have. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I feel like the Saints and Falcons both, uh, got to this point differently, but they're both like turning the page on like a, you know, a, a formidable chapter in the franchise with the Matt Ryans, with the Drew breezes. And now it's just living in this hell till, you know, till you find the next quarterback or till, you know. Sean Payton comes back, which I don't think he will, but there's going to be some silver lining. It's just not there right now. So this seems like they're going to be similar to last year, maybe worse. Like the defense is going to have to carry. They're going to have to carry Marcus May replacing Marcus Williams. Like who knows where that scale is going to land between now and the end of next season. But I think outside of that, it's almost pretty similar to who they had last year so if the draft helps on offense or defense or whatever i think nine and eight or eight and nine or seven and ten seems kind of like right where the saints are going to fall next year too because and, and don't forget about their play caller Quan alexander yep i'm not sure what's going to happen with him either he's probably going to come back but you know that's another big. Yeah, piece. I mean that's a big piece for the defense. So uh, I I don't know. It, it, it's tough to be a Saints fan right now. Again, I have a buddy, another buddy named Jake at work who's a Saints fan, and he was like the first thing he asked me today he was like, "Why the hell did we sign Jameis Winston to a two-year contract?" And yeah. I'm like, "Dude, I have no idea." So um, I mean, again, it, it's it's the revolving theme of like when you don't have one of the elite quarterbacks, you're just like searching through this like trash of like you know treasure which you're not going to find, mm-hmm. and so. um you know, you, you feel for the Saints, but at the same time, they had their time. They won a Super Bowl in 09, and this is just kind of the 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 downward of this, the the, the market of the Saints as a whole, I guess. So uh, enough about the Saints. Let's jump to the best team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are going to be back for another season. Brady's retirement was, what, two weeks long? I mean, shortest retirement in history, maybe. 13-4, uh, and four, the Bucks were last year with Tom Brady. They were the number two seed in the NFC, four and two in their division. Shashot, you mentioned it, 158 point differential so uh that's gonna spell 13 wins i mean that the proof is in the pudding there so uh you talked about it earlier brady's back brady has brought back a lot of the core that's been the team for the last several years ryan jensen at center carlton davis are cornerbacks back they reached a deal with chris godwin uh and you know they lost antonio brown but uh, like Dierud mentioned, Russell Gage is gone from Atlanta, and now he is with the Bucs. So um, you know the, the the team is pretty much constructed the same way they were when they even won a Super Bowl two years ago, and when they were you know very close last year. So that the division got worse, the, the, the conference got worse. I mean, is there really anything stopping Tom Brady to another Super Bowl bath?
2: Yeah, no. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. When you have Tom Brady, and, and as the guy under the center, you know that you have a chance to get to the Super Bowl or at least uh, in playoffs for sure. And then the sky's the limit from there, right? They've added some key additions to with the Russell Gage for a receiver from the Atlanta Falcons after losing Antonio Brown. So Evans, Godwin's coming back, and now you have a three in Russell Gage. So that is not going to make up for Antonio Brown being gone, but definitely if anything happens as far as injuries go you have russell Gage. they added shaq mason from the patriots one thing that brady loves is a good offensive lineman because he needs that protection and they were able to uh keep their uh, center ryan jensen and also uh get shaq, shaq mason so i think that you know they're they're out there with the mentality they want to win uh win it all next year um and uh you mentioned that leonard fournette is going to uh, come back to the buccaneers as well so you know, this team with all the pieces kind of still there that got them uh, as far as they did last year, I think that they have a legitimate chance of making it all the way and um, being able to overcome the Los Angeles Rams uh, this time around to make it get to that promised land.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're playing in this division who is just collapsing, right? Like there's no way they don't win this division unless something magical happens. And we see the, you know, new resurgence of whoever the heck you know name a player so chances are looking like the buccaneers going to win this division and who are they competing with in the nfc the rams and the packers that's it as far as strength of you know schedule as far as you know the uh the core uh parts of each team it's it's a mess nfc is a mess right now and even the packers lost Devontae adams so now you're looking at buccaneers repeating it's 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 I don't, I don't know what the Vegas odds are right now, but if the Buccaneers are not one or two in the NFC as far as, you know, best record, I don't know what they're doing over there. So this is this is about as easy of a call as you can make. They're going to make the playoffs just because of this division situation, unless something happens with Brady, but anybody else on this team is replaceable. And as long as they have this method, this, this TB12 method, they're going to make the playoffs. They're just going to make the playoffs. That's what he does. And he's got... Uh, Giselle making all these crazy potions at home so you know there's there's no reason to assume that the buccaneers will uh, be worse you know even if they lost a couple of key players they've added things really quickly um they're working around the cap because brady does stuff like that and you know and they got a good good amount of draft picks you know for somebody that doesn't really need to go for big names they have you know six picks they can kind of fill in certain holes And I have a feeling they're still not done making all the moves, unlike some of these other teams that we've talked about. So they're doing what they have to do. They're getting key pieces back They're They know they have a pretty easy way uh, to get to the playoffs in the division. So they're kind of keeping that core together because, you know, history repeats itself. If if they can win with this squad last year going 13 and 14, they can probably do it again. And they can probably win the division having all these other weaker teams in the division. So
1: Buccaneers, it's a pretty much shoe in for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, they did a good job of replacing all of their offseason departures with like pretty much formidable replacements, right? Alex Kappa goes to the Bengals, they they trade for Shaq Mason. Jordan Whitehead goes for the goes to the Jets, they bring Logan Ryan back. And then you had OJ Howard leave for the Bills. And you guys saw the video where they recorded Gronkowski at like a barber shop, but they're like, You're coming back, right? And he's like, Yeah, I'm just giving Tom Brady a little bit of a hard time. You know, he made he kept us waiting, so I figure I'd do the same. So it's like pretty much set in stone that Gronk's gonna be back as well. So it's like they did a really, really good job of everything they lost they pretty much replaced it and then again they added Russell Gage who's replacing Antonio Brown so uh it's it's exactly that they're running it back you know little tweaks here and there but the core is still the same and every other team every other team in the conference and the division got worse so um yeah again unless Brady gets hurt They're a shoe in for the playoffs. They're a shoe in for a top two, top two seed, I'd say in the NFC. And right now I bet if I pull a Vegas odds, they're probably top three in terms of Super Bowl uh, champs. So um, the Buccaneers have a really, really good gig. And I think that's maybe, maybe a lot of those pieces that were in play in the offseason were the reason why Tom Brady came back. He was like watching the NFC deteriorate. And he was like, you know what? I could probably run this thing back. And so, uh, let's just hope, you know, as much as some people may hate Tom Brady, whatever, like the dude's the goat, the dude has, you know, the most Super Bowls. blah, blah, blah. Like I would hate for him, his career to end because he had some sort of a freak injury. So that's the one thing is like, you keep coming back every year. Like how many more times are you going to put your body on the line when you're pushing 50, bro? And I, you know, again, the fountain Mm -hmm. of youth can only help for so long. So, um, Again, it'll be it's good for Bucks fans, whatever, Uh, you know, another year to be competitive and possibly win a Super Bowl. So um, let's see if any other team can knock them off because again, otherwise their path is pretty damn easy. Uh, Let's jump over to the AFC enough the NFC talk the jacksonville jaguars the epitome of a team that proves that the salary gap is a myth because it felt like they spent a trillion dollars this offseason i think they got like every free agent possible uh and rightfully so the team was absolutely atrocious last year three and 14 one in five divisional record should show negative 204 point differential I think that starts to add up when Trevor Lawrence goes like nine games without throwing a touchdown pass, right? I mean, that was one of the best parts of last year was just (laughs) getting on. Trevor Lawrence (laughs) his 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 run of not throwing a touchdown pass when you're a goddamn quarterback so uh I mean again that that is the story of the Jags last year the Urban Meyer bullshit like all of that they need help I mean like no move is a wrong move for them this offseason and again (sighs) they went out and spent a shit ton of money what's funny is they still have eight million dollars in cap space but like let's look at they went out and paid Christian Kirk a shit ton of money they went out and got Zay Jones Evan Ingram they uh got a guard Brandon Scherf uh they got the linebacker from the Falcons that the was just talking about cornerback Darius Williams leaves the Rams and comes here and then they signed a def- defensive tackle Foley Fatsukasi so like you're looking at a team that literally bought half of the free agent market so it's like you know the good thing is they had the money to spend and they really really needed to improve and I, obviously with all of these additions you have to assume they're going to improve but is there still a number one receiver on this roster? Like is Trevor Lawrence still have enough actual talent around him to be competitive or like, you know, are these all just like moves to make moves? Cause you had money.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting part. <laughs> they had so much money. They could got like, they could have tried to get some, you know, a level receivers yeah. <laughs> and they ended up getting B minus and C receivers, basically receivers that haven't really proven themselves as uh, with the opportunities that they had, like Christian Kirk. Uh I like Zay Jones, but he still hasn't proved himself to be a, a valid uh, number two receiver, even right. Uh Evan Ingram, I mean, we've shot on that guy so much. If you have him on fantasy football, he hasn't done anything for the Giants with even with so many high hopes. Um, so yeah, no, the it, they did. The Jags get better? Yes. Could they have done more with their money? Uh I think I think that they definitely could have. They still have uh, Laquan, they went, they kept Laquan Treadwell. They did the, um, what's it called? Franchise tag on Cam Robinson, the, the, the offensive tackle that, so to keep, um, to, you know, make sure that the offensive, uh, offensive line is still good. And they have the number one draft pick. So with that, they, I could see them trying to get an, uh, edge rusher. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is the guy that, uh, is number one, probably on that list. There's a tackle opportunity that they can get in, in, um, Evan Neal. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see whether they go the defensive right, route or the offensive uh, lineman route, but it seems like they just kind of did enough to get just a little bit better, but I don't know if those are the right moves or not.
0: Yeah. So, you know what I think, you know what my analogy is for this off season for the Jaguars? It's like when you're, it's like when you're in the eighth grade and your mom goes and buys all your clothes for you and, <laughs> and you're just forced to wear them, right? Like Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, yeah. Chenault, Laquan Treadwell, Zay Jones, and Jamal Agnew. Those are C-minuses, C+, plus, maybe a B-minus in there with Christian Kirk. You know, that's fine. Maybe you can build a team like the replacements and do something with it. But you just got one of the best, you know, possible future quarterbacks of all time. One of the most hyped-up future quarterbacks of all time. And you thought that maybe you shouldn't get an A in there somewhere? You thought maybe running it back with Marvin Jones, Laviska Shenault, and LaQuan Treadwell was the answer?
2: Maybe it wasn't.
1: That's some Jinko jeans shit, man. That's if your mom went out and bought you some Jinko jeans. Jinko jeans, you know.
2: It's funny because in, I think I was in eighth grade and my mom bought me a bunch of Cowboys gear to put in my room. And I'm like, I'm not even a Cowboys fan. What are you doing? It's how I feel that what the Jaguars basically just did. Yeah.
0: Like this is a clear cut example of having too much money at a young age and then just splurging. Like I have analogies for days for this, for this offseason for the Jaguars again, you know, it's, this is not the way to do it. I don't, they're trying to be mediocre instead of trying to be best. They're taking small steps at a time rather than taking a big leap. How how often do you get back-to-back number one picks that rarely ever happens. And you want to stay in this mediocre world. You have so much talent as far as like drafting all these young people. And you're going to, the people that are going to be scoring the touchdowns should not have the name Evan Ingram within that group. You're, what are you doing? what are you doing? You had all this money, you're slowly running out of money. And all you've done is a few here and there add linebackers and a few cornerbacks and a few defensive tackles. But you know, I love Zay Jones. I liked him as a number four receiver for the bills. I liked him as a number three to four receiver for the Raiders, but you know, you're playing with a bunch of weaker people. Like these guys going up against a couple of good cornerbacks, we're going to be dealing with less than four touchdowns, you know, like less than four weeks of touchdowns again with uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I am not a fan of what's going on. They're going to go from three and 14 to six and whatever. So it's like, God, like something's wrong there. And I don't think it was just the, the coach last year. There's a lot of, um, you know, maybe it is a GM issue. Maybe they do, they do need to figure something out. I'm, I'm looking too much into the future right now because I can't predict what's going to happen. I just see what's in front of me. And this does not seem like a playoff team even now after all these moves. So maybe the number one draft pick will change some things. I don't know, and I don't Mm -hmm. know why you're not making more moves with this money. Maybe they're waiting for the draft to trade down. I don't know, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing so far.
2: The only thing I could think of is maybe the players that are out in the free agency, like guys like Allen Robinson are like, I don't want to go to the Jaguars. He's already lived that nightmare. He played for the Jags. He's he's like, fuck that shit. Yeah, they just need to maybe get a little bit better next year so that they can convince other stars to come to the Jaguars. I'm only I'm thinking that that maybe that's the only reason why they went out, got the players that they could get. Yeah, uh,
1: dude. Go ahead.
2: No, I was gonna say,
0: um, you know, who's the middle linebacker for the Seahawks? What's his name? Wagner Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Why do I mean he's at the tail end of his career, they need some linebacker help. They lost Miles Jack. You know, why not go to a team like this kind of help this like weak ass franchise, learn how to play defense and then slowly set off to the sunset in Florida and retire. You know what I mean? Like seems like a good fit. Like And then go after guys like Julio Jones. I know Julio probably doesn't want to play there, but, you know, depending on the right price, you know, we'll see what he wants to do. But I'm just not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with defense. I'm not satisfied with the offense. And they need some veteran presence, not a C-minus veteran presence in LaVishka Chenault or Marvin Jones. They need some there's, they needed a reason to play, and there is no reason to play yet.
1: Yeah, I think so. A couple of things to that is, like, one, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars, literally, they're the reason the, mar- the, the market in the NFL is where it's at. They're right. the reason Absolutely. Devontae Adams was mad. Like, they went out and gave too much money to people that did not, deserve that amount of money right so like they fucking changed the overall value of receivers and whatever the hell they were paying so it was one of those like splurging like hey you just got a $10,000 spending spree so go out and have fun with it that's what they did is they just literally like looked at like the first thing they saw and they bought it and, and the like the one you know, we talked about the Jags this offseason in the sense that like, I really wanted them to get a lot offensive lineman that they could use as like the veteran, the presence to teach the young guys. And Brandon Scherf is that. So like, that's, I feel like that's the one silver lining, but the only bad thing about that is he plays guard and like guards don't have as much influence as tackles. And so like, is there enough value there? And so, like the defense, it seems like it got a little bit better, but like you said, show you literally drafted Trevor Lawrence as like the next coming of Peyton Manning, and the best you could fucking give him was Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I I am honestly beginning to think that it's probably the fact that nobody wants to go to Jacksonville because yeah, Allen Robinson's like all those guys crossed my mind, and I'm like, why why like there's they had so much money. I'm sure they called up these good guys, they were just like, you know what? Why the hell would I come play for the Jaguars? So um, I don't I don't know if that's what it is, but yeah, with how much money they had it's just it's crazy that it seemed like they signed half of the free agent market and you're still like oh my god like i'm still not happy with anything they've done so there is um, one reason to be happy
0: this upcoming year though and it's the running back duo we finally get to see them run together and that's going to be something fun for fantasy football owners.
1: Yeah, Trav, uh, yeah travis etienne and uh, james robinson right mm-hmm. so that uh god yeah hopefully they don't screw up that situation because the Jags just have the tendency to screw everything up but that that's at least one sliver of hope trevor lawrence has two solid running backs behind him and then um dude, I, evan ingram like why is that why did that guy get signed there why? if i hear the word evan ingram one more time i might just close this laptop i literally think of dropped passes when i hear the word evan ingram why the hell did the Jags think that that was a good weapon to like dude it's just you, know, you
0: i rarely ever regret things in life like there's always a lesson to be learned I regret everything about Aaron, Evan Ingram. I wish I never got him. I got him two years back to back. That, that second year hurts more because you're like, you know what? It, you were because you were injured. And then you just see him drop wide open touchdowns. And it's just like, why? Why?
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, the Jags, the Jags, it's hard not to get better because they were three and 14. They signed like seven guys and they still have 12 draft picks. So it's like naturally you you're a shit show if you're not getting better from three wins. But like you said, maybe they jump from three wins to like six or seven because there's nothing that I've seen so far. That's like that's like pushing or moving that needle too far, like far enough to the playoffs. Like it's not even close right now. So yeah, unless
0: go ahead. No. And, and the Titans are still pretty much up there. I know, I know they kind of struggled in the playoffs, but you know, the rest of the teams, you don't know what the Colts are going to do. You don't know what the Texans are going to do, but you know, you, you're, they're not going to, the Jaguars are not easily going to make to the playoffs just because of their division.
1: Yeah, no, let's, I mean, again, that's a good, that's a perfect segue. So enough about the Jaguars, let's jump over to the next team. You mentioned it to shout the Houston Texans are another team in this division that, you know, it, there's really not much place to go, but up four and 13 last year, three and three in the division minus 172 point differential. So dude, just like they literally were hiding in this division because the Jags are also in this division, because if they were in their own division, they would be treated as poorly as the Jags. And so, uh, you know, again, the thing with the Texans is the expectations weren't there. They had they didn't just draft a number one overall quarterback, right? They they were in purgatory with Deshaun Watson shit. They were starting a random Davis Mills at quarterback, and they literally actually had nobody else on their roster like of note. So it was just a really really shitty team overall. Um, and 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 I would say you know for them, I just don't know with twenty five million dollars left in cap space and really not very many big free agents left that they're really going to spend that money because it's really not going to move the needle enough. So are they really just going to depend on 10 draft picks and hope to start to build from the ground up? You think they're looking at maybe drafting a quarterback if they don't think Davis Mills is the answer, but like, how did the how did the Texans get out of this hell hole and like actually build for the future?
2: Yeah. As of right now, Davis Mills looks like he's, he is the number, I mean, he's a number one quarterback there, but I don't think that he has a, he's a lock to be the quarterback of the future for the Texans he had a decent year last year but um, you know if they uh, if they can go out and, and they take a look at uh, Malik Willis uh, and they see that you know he's a, a quarterback that they can uh, work around they may even go in and draft him um, and so I don't I don't see that uh, David Mills as being uh, a guy that's a sure lock uh, they want they needed help on the offensive t- on the offensive line side, they got Cedric, Cedric Obui from the Titans. They get A.J. Khan from the Jaguars. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, anytime you can protect the quarterback, that's going to be good. But they've got the number three and the number 18 overall draft pick, right? The, both in the first round. So I can see them. I, I think that you're right. You know, they're going to try to use draft picks to go out and just continue this rebuilding. It doesn't seem like any of these, Key additions that they have added is going to get them over the hump of being um you know third or fourth place in that division
0: yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. They've, they're they just filling in holes to have enough players for that roster spot at this moment. And, and we talk about rebuilding here and there. We've talked about worse records than the Texans record, but there, if there's one team that's in rebuild mode and that's like a for sure rebuild mode, it is the Texans. They're not, you know, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Philip Dorsett, Chris Conley are not going to take you to the playoffs. I mean, Brandon Cooks is a good receiver, but come on, like there, there's, there's a reality to be seen here. And you might sneak by teams like the chargers last year when they were still confused, but you're not going to sneak by any teams, especially in the AFC. That's a stacked, stacked conference. And the Texans have nothing to show for as of right now, it's a defeated franchise. The owners, the coaching staff got got a lot of props last year for, you know, doing what they could or what they had. Um, But you know, now it's year two. Now they got to do better. And like I said, there is no reality here for the Texans outside of a rebuilding mode. Um, And, you know, and like you mentioned, Chauvet, and they have plenty of draft picks to, you know, uh, make sure that happens, make sure that you get a clear cut rebuild going. And, you know, they kind of need some sort of energy for this team. They need for the fans to want to come to the games. So we're not going to see a lot of, you know, filling in guard positions. We're not going to see a lot of filling in tackle, unless they're really good players. Mm -hmm. It's time for some big names. It's time to get some flashy wide receivers out here. It's time to get something to root for, for the average fan, because you know, it's it's a synergistic effect. This is the beauty of football. That's why home field advantage is such a big deal. You need to have all the pieces together. And unfortunately, fans are part of the team, whether you like it or not. And for for the fans that want to go to the game, for the fans that want to root when their other teams uh, when the other teams on offense, all of that can only happen if there's a reason to root for the team. And as of right now, losing all your players, nobody's going to skip their Sunday church that they want to go to so bad to go watch David Mills play at this very moment. So. Like I said, this team needs some some sort of energy. This team does not need uh, to win now. It would be beautiful if they could do that. But, you know, as a fan that's been watching this game for a long time, nothing about this roster screams going 13-4. and So it's time to rebuild. It's time to make some good, flashy draft choices. And it's time to think
1: about, is David Mills the future or not? Davis, Davis Mills. Davis Mills is definitely not the future. But I think they're still going to give him the chance because he's earned the opportunity to at least be getting getting the looks. But yeah, it absolutely would not shock me if they just went out and drafted Malik Willis or drafted another quarterback because they have three and thirteen. And I dude, you're spot on. It's like if they go out and draft an offensive tackle, like cool, he's probably the best player on the board, but you're not going to get people in the seats like there's going to be nobody watching Texans games to watch your off Evan Neal protect for Davis Mills like that shit's not happening so I'm absolutely with you like I think at three they're going to need to probably look at uh, either Kyle Hamilton the safety because he's high flying like he's somebody they can get behind and that's Mm -hmm. if Detroit passes up on him at two I think I I think he might go too but that's a guy I'm looking at and and then at 13 you're looking at probably a receiver like you could look at Drake London uh, Jameson Williams like there's guys there that will be there and if they have to reach because they need players for fans to root for i think yeah. you know i wouldn't be upset if they'd reach because they need it like you said they, yeah. this isn't a classic rebuild where they already have a quarterback or they already have a foundation like they have nobody to root for yeah they, they need have, a culture change yeah the average fan would not be able to name five texans players right now like i could guarantee you that so it's just like dude they, they need something and so uh absolutely spot on they're gonna have to get somebody that can be like the cornerstone or the next wave of texans franchise because jj watt has gone deshaun Watson they thought was going to be that and he wasn't there long enough and now he's gone so it's like they need who's the next guy who's the next guy that's going to be that so uh, I think that's what they're going to be searching for in the draft this year
2: Um, yeah um lastly I I mean the one thing good for the Houston Texans is the trade with Deshaun Watson. I know you lose Deshaun Watson, but they got a lot back for mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, right? 2022 first round pick, 23 first round pick, 24 first round pick, along with some third, fourth, and uh for, for those respective years as well. So they've got some, you know, good draft capital to build on as well. So if you are patient with the Texans, I think that if they make the right decisions, they could be a legitimate team in the next uh, couple of years. But again, going back to the whole rebuilding, you know, that's where they are. Yeah. Again,
1: and as an expansion franchise, I feel like you can't stay in like hellhole for too long, right? It's like you earned the right to get that franchise in Houston, and if you can't put people in the seats to watch these games, then like you know, like what was all that for? And so, yeah, they they yeah. have they they they're on some sort of a leash here right now, where they again they need something to give fans excited about. Where's and, uh, um where's Sauce supposed to go? What what draft pick is he, predicting? dude? It's honestly all over the place. Like I have seen him go as high as like five and then I see him drop as low as like 18, but mm-hmm. between sauce, um, Stingley and McDuffie, I think those three corners can go, you know, they could go all three at the same time or between the first 20 picks, but cool. Yeah, that that wouldn't be a bad pick for them. I mean, again, that's a guy that's a guy that you can get behind and root for. But um, again, as as a cornerback, it's still just slightly difficult to be that unless you're fucking Jalen Ramsey or like Darrell Revis. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it, it, it's the the good thing is it's really, really hard to be worse than you were last year. I think that's the one good thing is it's really, really hard to do that. So just give fans hope, give them something to look forward to, give them a reason to get to the games because I think right now, yeah, like you said, I feel like a lot of Texans fans are just not really giving a shit about their team. Let's jump over to the next team. There is a new sheriff in town in Indianapolis. The Colts have traded for Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, who is what, 37 years old, maybe now, like he's pretty damn old. Uh, they got rid of Carson Wentz after one season after signing him to that big contract. And they had seen enough. They had had enough. This, his erratic play is kind of the opposite of what Matt Ryan is. So, uh, you know, as much as Matt Ryan has left in the tank, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, I get it, but, you know, how much does it really influence the game and the team as a whole like I don't know much but uh you know they still have obviously Jonathan Taylor to build around you're looking at a team that was nine and eight last year so hovering around 500 you know pretty close to making the playoffs plus 86 point differential and that was a year that Jonathan Taylor broke out and so still with 16 million dollars in cap space here you're looking at a, a team that has really really not done much in the off season they've lost some guys but they traded for Matt Ryan, they traded away Carson Wentz, and then they re-signed Mo'Ally Cox. And outside of that, they've done absolutely nothing. So uh, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around what the Colts' plan is heading into the next season. Like when you trade for Matt Ryan at this stage in his career, are you trying to compete? Are you trying to compete while Jonathan Taylor still on a rookie-scale contract? Like what is the end goal here? What, what are the Colts doing?
2: Yeah, so PFF has this interesting stat for uh, – it's called WAR, which is winnings above – uh, replacement um, and they actually went up 0. 0.65 points by getting Matt Ryan uh, and then also the defensive end Yannick Ngaku from the Raiders who had 10 sacks last year that definitely put them up so I think that all in all told, they, they're going to be a team that wins 10 games instead of nine games like they went up by one game for next year and that 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 one game is why they couldn't make it to the playoffs last year right so I think that getting rid of Carson Wentz and adding Matt Ryan just based on that stat is a good move uh for for the Colts. Um, but they're but they're losing a couple of uh they're they need help in the receiver core. They're losing Zach Pascal, which I don't know if he's I don't know if he's that good anyways, but they're losing Marlon Mack, uh uh when they have Jonathan Taylor, which is okay too. And they lost uh, Xavier Rhodes. So, um, you know, that's a cornerback need. You, you've got needs in the cornerback position. So it seems like they aren't doing much in free agency, but I feel like their um, you know front office thinks that with those two additions that they have, that they will be and it will be a good enough team for them to make the playoffs next year, given the 17 format in the playoffs yeah. now.
0: I agree. Matt Ryan is every like like you said, Sweet Matt Ryan is everything Carson Wentz wishes he was, and that is a patient pocket quarterback. Right? He just way too erratic, way way too many errors, and those errors are why they didn't get to where they needed to get to. And Matt Ryan doesn't make those errors, especially when he has protection. And the Colts are pretty good. They're good. They have a good offensive line system. So, you know, Matt Ryan coming in here and doing his best Tom Brady impression could work. However, it is a run first team and they do have probably the best running back in football. So that helps Matt Ryan even more. He doesn't have to just chug it out there. He doesn't have to, you know, use his arm until it turns into a noodle. He can do what he does do it more efficiently and have the best running back in football. So this definitely is a big improvement from the uh, Carson Wentz situation. I had high hopes for Carson Wentz just from a culture change perspective, but he was still the same Carson Wentz. Now, there is some news as of 12 hours ago that Darius Leonard is trying to reach out to Julio Jones. And I think that would solve a lot of their problems as well. I don't see why Julio Jones wouldn't want to come there and uh, play with his old teammate, Matt Ryan. I don't see why they wouldn't want him there because he would be a great uh, opposite side of Pittman, another big, tall receiver, having two of those guys and signing him maybe a rookie play in the slot could do wonders. Uh, they decided to re-sign Mo Alley-Cox out of all the people that they could have done that to. But um, I'm sure they got him for pretty cheap and he's a good red zone threat, if anything. So they're making moves as in um, the the right moves. They're just not making enough of them. And that is that is the name of the game here. It's, it's the off season. You have to try to sign as many good talents as you think they're going to be. And you got to start eliminating them through training camp, right? That's the goal. You got to try to find... Uh, the best available at this time. And they're not even shooting for that. They're not even going for that. And they have 16 million in cap space. So it's like, are they waiting to make a big move here? Are they waiting for this uh, Julio Jones things to kind of, you know, settle down or what are they waiting for? I don't know, but the draft is approaching soon. So they need to make some decisions before we get to that point.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I think there are too many holes. Like I think, I think between last year's team that, you know, Jonathan Taylor had a historic, historic year, and they won nine games. Right? Yeah, Carson Wentz is erratic. Yeah, yada yada yada. But like, there, there's still a lack of explosiveness when, like, you take away the running game, right? And that's why we need receivers. But you're losing Ty Hilton, you're losing Zach Pascal, and and all you have is Pittman. It'd be nice to get like a Julio with the Matt Ryan connection. But how healthy is Julio Jones going to be next year? And so four it, games, exactly. And so it's just I. I don't, I don't know. And even if you look out over on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they lost their safety in George Odom. He went to uh, the 49ers. Rhodes is a free agent. And so um, I, I don't know, like I, with no moves, seven draft picks, not no first round draft picks, uh, like how, how? I, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's almost like to me, Matt Ryan went to a shittier Falcons like not last year's Falcons because they were goddamn awful but like the competitive Falcons of yeah. the last like five seven years it's almost like a shittier version of that like my, yeah. minus Jonathan Taylor he's like the best thing about the team right but it's like I don't know like who's Matt Ryan gonna throw to next year and I mean Michael Pitt we saw this year how good Michael Pittman could be but like he needs help they lost their yeah. receivers they they have money but the only people left in in free agency are like old veterans that I don't know, like, do they yeah. want to play with another old quarterback? I, I just... no, I, here, here's the, here's the one
0: bright side with having this Matt, Matt Ryan thing. And it kind of changes the culture a little bit is that um, worrying about accuracy is not a thing with Matt Ryan, right? Like, you know, that whether it's a young receiver, whether it's a old receiver, he's going to be on target. So I think that's something that they were missing. That's something that they really, really needed badly. They couldn't come from behind because Carson Wentz, you know, he's just crazy with his throws. Pittman like bailed him out a couple of times and under throws and all that stuff. So having Matt Ryan kind of helps there, but you're right. There is not enough talent on this offense. I don't know why a lot of people think that, you know, he's got all the weapons there. I think I was talking to d rudge the other day about this and he's like, Matt Ryan's going to eat. I'm like, he's going to do better, but I don't know about eating, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the other thing that kind of helps out the Colts by getting Matt Ryan is he, they are in a division where they have to deal with Texans and the Jaguars. Yeah. Right. So all they have to do is just as good as the Titans, you know, that's about it. And the Titans, you know, they've had their last two, three years. They've been reigning all over this playoffs. They just can't execute. And did they get better? We'll talk about them here shortly. But um, competing with one team always kind of makes things a little bit easier, you know. So as long as they do a pretty good job on the draft and kind of just run it back, you know, another eight, nine and eight season, 10 and seven season may be just enough to get to win the division. Now, if you're going to try to make the playoffs, good luck outside of winning the division because this AFC stacked. So it looks like, to me, this is another season where they're just barely going to be better than the Texans and the Jaguars, and then they're just barely going to be worse than the Titans and maybe miss out on the playoffs, but we'll see if anything changes with this Matt Ryan thing.
2: They don't have a first-round pick either, so it, drafts is going to be very thin. They have the second, uh, the 42nd pick in the second round, um, which is in the second round, but I've read somewhere that they could actually go out and get quarterback uh, Dresden Ryder. Ritter. Um, who's the is it Ritter I thought it was Ryder, actually it's Ritter, Ritter? Mm-hmm. oh it is Ritter yeah you're right um yeah I like put a space on his name and I was like oh wait it is Ritter <laughs> um but he went 44 and six uh with the Cincinnati Bearcats right um, this guy can he's fast runs a four five speed so while they're kind of in this um period with Matt Ryan where they're just you know putting him as a placeholder um, R- R- Ritter is someone that can kind of train um, uh, you know and, and learn from Matt Ryan because one of the things he doesn't do well is following his progressions so that could be a strategy that they go for but they've gotten yeah they're right. they are right they need help in the wide receiving uh, core as well so um, yeah I don't know what they'll do there but something to look into.
1: Yeah, again, they're just kind of handicapped in the sense that, like you said, if they draft, let's say their 42nd pick is their first pick in the draft and they take Desmond Ritter. That means that they basically are planning for the future, which means like right now, this is the best that they're necessarily going to roll out, right? Because then their next draft pick is going to be a third rounder. So everything beyond that third rounder, you're probably not expecting to be a day one starter heading into 2022. So it's like, dude, if they're not putting enough pieces around Matt Ryan, it's almost like they just made that trade because they knew that they needed a quarterback and they knew that the Falcons are going to eat his cap. So it's just like, you know what? He's a placeholder. He's a quarterback that we can at least get. So we don't have no quarterback. And at the end of the day, we can move forward. So, yeah, I mean, if they draft Desmond Ritter, it's very, very evident that they're basically moving into another direction or heading to the future. But then at that scope, if he's a quarterback that needs a year to sit under Matt Ryan or two years to sit under Matt Ryan, then you start to waste Jonathan Taylor's prime and, and and running backs primes are so slow or like so, so small. And so that window is the constantly closes, even though right now it seems like it's getting bigger, but that's, that that's the life of a running back. So it's, I don't know, man, I don't know where the priorities lie for them. So uh, I, it just seems like because of the uncertainty nine and eight seems like exactly where they're going to end up next year too which is slightly going to be better than the jags and texans like you said just showed slightly worse than the Texans or the titans and they're just not going to make the playoffs. so i mean if they're cool just running it back because they were able to get rid of the fucking debacle that is carson wentz uh I, I get it because they did sign him to an extension and they were probably like what the fuck are we going to do when they saw how last year ended but um other than that you know again unless jonathan taylor takes another leap which would be goddamn insane uh, like i think this team is destined uh for 500 football but shoot you mentioned the titans let's let's end it with the titan of the division if you will the Tennessee Titans, sorry we couldn't get you on here, Riaz. I apologize. The Tennessee Titans, who were 12 and five last year after a weird, weird year, still ending up number one in the AFC. Uh, Derrick Henry has an insane year and then gets hurt. Uh, so you're you're heading into the playoffs without Derrick Henry. They stumbled a little bit, still ended up getting the number one seed, five and one divisional record, plus sixty five point differential for a team that won 12 games. You know, you already see that disconnect there. Like, how do they win 12 games? But they were only plus 65 point differential. Uh, You're looking at a team that doesn't have a ton of cap space, you know, present day, they're $3.2 million in the hole, uh, you know, and and that starts with Ryan Tannehill guys. I mean, uh, I preach about quarterbacks and overpay because of the whole Kirk Cousins situation, but God, if I was a Titans fan and I'm staring at this $38.6 million cap hit from a guy like Ryan Tannehill, I'd be losing my mind because just think about the roster around Ryan Tannehill. Think about Derrick Henry. He doesn't need a good quarterback because you hand him the ball 45 times. Think about AJ Brown. He doesn't need a good quarterback. He just needs somebody to throw the ball up to him, right? So think about the fact that you could probably get a Malik Willis and save $38 million in cap space and then build actually build around that team because Ryan Tannehill is the epitome of a guy that doesn't get asked to do too much because Derek Henry runs the ball 40 plus times just has to make the throws when they're there. And, you know, like you can probably find a placeholder for that, that doesn't take up this this much cap space because now they didn't sign very many people. The only guy they actually signed was Austin Hooper. They re-signed Harold Landry and Ben Jones, but Austin Hooper is who they went out and got. So it's basically the same team running it back minus you know a guard Julio Jones and they lost Janoris Jenkins. So it's like um you have seven draft picks this year. What how, how do you how do you compartmentalize the fact that you're paying Matt, uh Ryan Tannehill so much money yet he seems like he's not going to be the guy that gets you the next step.
2: Yeah, they uh don't forget they also did sign Robert Woods as well. So trio oh, they lose traded the,
1: for Woods, traded for Woods. They My traded yeah. traded
2: for Woods. Uh so they lose Julio Jones but they uh, now have Robert Woods and AJ Brown, um, and so that you know the team that we thought that they could be last year with the offensive power. Maybe this is the year that Tannehill now with Woods and AJ Brown has a has a better, just a better year uh, than he did last year. But they need some help too on the offensive line. Tannehill was sacked forty seven times, which is second most in the NFL. Uh, so you know, they're, I'm I'm expecting them to do that. Through the draft i guess um they lost anthony firsker who's their tight end the guy that they went away from or they chose instead of John, John smith and now looks like anthony firsker is not going to be the guy that gets the number one tight end so they they need to go out and, and get a tight end as well unless um, it's austin hooper who they signed yeah. i don't unless, know if he's unless it's it's Austin Hooper, but I'm not sure Austin, Austin Hooper's really proven anything. I know he was with the uh, the Browns, but and with Baker Mayfield, and and maybe that's probably the reason why Austin Hooper didn't shine as much as he could have. And Tannehill, now you may have that, but maybe someone else just to go. Like it seems like NFL teams need two tight ends, um, you know, just just as like a the packages that they're the personnel that they're running in you need two tight ends uh and i'm i'm not sure if austin hooper as tight end number 1 could be that guy for you so look for them to grab someone in the draft uh in that set in that sense um but you know you still have derek henry you got aj brown and now you got robert woods that offense is still you know could be could be pretty good next year dude i am terrified
0: that the titans are going to fall apart I am terrified because Derek Henry is coming off of a big injury. AJ Brown is already injury prone and you got Derrick. Oh, you got, you just got Robert Woods. Who's also, off also here. injury. So you're like, and you got these guys getting murdered. I mean, and then you got Ryan Tannehill getting murdered by the lack of offensive line play. And he's already not good on top of that. This is why the point differential is plus 65. Like they, they barely have their squad on the field at all times and they're not adding people that are very reliable you know there's big names here but injury is crucial are, can they survive that same thing as last year the chances are probably not if this happens again their defense just play their defense isn't even really that good they were just clutch in mm-hmm. making big plays at the right time and that's how they ended up getting the number one seed. If they were to run this back, there's probably no want, Like, yeah. There's
1: no way they can replicate this. They this absolutely is- overperformed. They overachieved yes. by far. Last yes. Year.
0: And we can all tell, you know, we're, we watch these games. We can tell this was just like a God given type of a thing. And they just yeah. got really lucky. I hate using that word. Cause like, like, you know, there's always a reason behind everything, but they really got lucky. You know, all these things went wrong their way and they still had the number one seed. Like what, in what world does that make sense? When none of the pieces are, were really like, game changers that were on the field so you know you had that opportunity you had the opportunity last year you had opportunity the year before are you going to keep getting opportunities when your cap space is minus 3.2 are you going to keep getting opportunities when you only have seven draft picks this year so you know it's one of those situations this is a really sad type of situation to be in because you've seen what the possibilities are like you've seen you just got a Julio Jones you just got you know you they had like three of the best weapons on one team so it's like you had the good times. You couldn't do anything with it. And now you're stuck with Ryan Tannehill's three 38.6. There's only two, there's only like three quarterbacks that are worse than Ryan Tannehill that are starting in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, so he's not somebody that I want my team behind. He hasn't proven to be neither accurate or, you know, he's not a big making a playmaking guy either. So it's like when you don't have the accuracy, you don't have the playmaking ability, you're just back there and you're going to get sacked. So and we've seen that happen as well. So I'm just a little worried about the Titans. And I think this is why the Colts are probably not like, you know, it's not like the AFC East where um, teams are just going crazy or no, the AFC West, West, right? Yeah. Yeah, Where teams are going crazy to one up the other one, because nothing is happening in this division. No, nothing big to where the other teams are afraid. You got two lackluster teams paying a bunch of C minus players and one rebuilding one stagnant. And then one in limbo with all these injured players on the team now. So it's like, same thing's going to happen with this division next year, maybe identical, and just everybody gets a little bit worse because they're going to get killed by other divisions. So, I mean, that's the outlook as of now. Again, I like I. that's why I mentioned you know, cap space is something you really can't bank on because you can always work around cap space. Um, but when you're minus 3.2 and you haven't really made like game changing decisions, um, I don't know what you're going to do. You're if one, they're one injury away from crumbling. So, good luck to the Titans, but the Colts aren't that far behind them to try to take that number one spot now.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it, the cap space thing is like the people say it's a myth, obviously like there's relevance to it, but they're also like, I am sitting here wondering why a guy like Ryan Tannehill is not restructuring his contract. Like what, what, what they're, they're in the hole. He's he, again, he doesn't move the needle on in the quarterback position enough one to even warn a fraction of that payment. But like if the dude wants to be competitive and this team's window to win is now and they need to free up money to sign other guys, even sign their draft picks because right now they don't even have that money. I I have to assume a Ryan Tannehill restructure is going to happen before the draft or before the season starts, because there's really no other way. There's no other way they can even afford to sign their draft picks. Uh, And dude, he just, again, yeah. You're dealing with like, yeah, best case scenario. Uh, Derrick Henry, Robert Woods, and AJ Brown all have like a completely healthy season. Then maybe the sky is the limit for the offense. But then Ryan Tannehill still kind of holds them back because the offensive line sucks. So he doesn't get enough time to throw them the football. And so um there's still there's not enough money to help fix the problems that the Tennessee Titans have. And like we said, for the last two, three, four years, it seemed like they just were the definition of a team that was overachieving. And so, yeah, at some point it's going to have to come back down to reality. And yeah, this could be a division that a nine win team wins next year. So uh, that wouldn't surprise me either, but uh, I don't know. I, yeah, the, their only draft pick in the first round is the 26th overall pick. So, so you you're not a, fixing your you, offensive line there, right? Yeah. You're not, you yeah. Get a game changing offensive
0: lineman at that spot. So I don't know man this is this is one of the hardest decisions I've had to make on deciding how the team's going to look like next year this they they they're the number 1 seed and I highly highly doubt they're going to re, uh, redo this whole number 1 seed thing next year
1: not nah, it's it's, it's going to be very very tough i'll be interested to kind of get riaz's take on the Tannehill situation because I, I don't see another way for them to get out of this purgatory without Tannehill right. restructuring so um you know who knows obviously again they it, it, robert woods when healthy is a great receiver he's a great great receiver he's different than julio jones who they had last year right so if robert woods is healthy he had he has a different dynamic and and kind of meshes with aj brown better than julio jones did in my opinion yeah, so sure. i think that makes a ton of sense i actually do like austin hooper like i think even with Baker as a quarterback, he was good and he was, he was productive. And I think if given the opportunity and the Titans love their tight ends, like with John Smith and crap, and they love like giving them opportunities and looks, I think Austin Hooper has a chance to be a really nice weapon for them. But again, it just goes back to are they going to just assume that they're going to draft first, second and third round linemen and hope that they're all starters in day one, or are they going to figure out a way to free up some cap space and at least go out and get like one or two free agent linemen because Tannehill can't be sacked as many times as he was sacked last year and they expect to repeat a 12 and five performance in a number one seat I just don't think that's going to happen. That's it that that is the afc and the nfc south divisions not as not as flashy as the afc west like you mentioned with all their high flying acquisitions but again it's it's interesting because we talked about eight teams and it seems like right now um you know Uh, the afc south is not really like none of these teams to me are competitive with the afc west anymore like i think all four of the afc west teams are better than all any of these teams like the titans would be fifth in the afc west right now to me so you're you're looking at an afc south team that like could be an nfc east from five years ago and then you look at an nfc south where it's tom brady and the bucks and then everybody else sucks so it's just it's it's very like the NFL next year could again, be like five teams competing and everybody else sucks. Like, and obviously that can't happen because people have to play each other, but, uh, is that going to make for maybe a more wild ending than kind of what we're you know predicting in our minds? Because, you know, Brady gets hurt and then all of a sudden you have like Malik Willis gets drafted at 12 and somehow is the next heir apparent to Mahomes. You know, like you're going to need to see something like that next year to change the overall landscape. Otherwise, like every team like you can see on paper what teams are really, really bad and suck and like the handful of teams that are actually good.
2: Yeah, I mean, outside of Tom Brady, there's not any other quarterback that you can kind of bet your uh, bank on, right? Bet your bottom dollar? Bet your bottom dollar on, that's right. (laughs) Uh, But Matt Ryan and Tannehill are probably on a, they're just like, Two levels down from where Tom Brady is, and when you compare it to the AFC West, where um, you know you've got yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, even uh, put Derek Carr in the mix. Now that he's got Devonte Adams, right, yeah. uh, Russell Wilson, all those every team there it has legitimate quarterbacks. Um, so it's just apples and oranges comparing these those two divisions.
1: Is there so with the extra playoff team now? There's a chance if AF- the entire AFC West can make the playoffs. Yep. Right. You have one team win the division, and then they have the three wild card spots. Yep. Dude, I mean, wow! In reality, think about that. the 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 Bills will probably win their division. The Patriots, honestly, you know, obviously, we'll talk about all these teams, but they they might be due for a regression. And then you have the Dolphins and uh, who's the the Jets. So it's like, dude, there's it's just so top heavy right now. It seems like. I don't know. Like one or two teams are going to have to be Cinderella teams that like, you know, draft insanely well and hit a bunch of home runs or uh or again, we're going to see a paid, we're going to see a Tom Brady Super Bowl again. And then there's certain things like curses
0: that are very much present whether we believe it or not. So the teams like the Chargers, the Raiders, they could have all the stacked things you want. They could do this, they could do that, but as far as history says, things are don't look good for those teams ever. So we'll see if they can come out of those holes. We'll see if the teams like the Jets with all this money and now? we'll see if a team like the dolphins with this culture change it'll be exciting the AFC is definitely more exciting than what the AFC, NFC has to offer this year I don't know what's going to happen in the NFC but I am this is going to be a fun year because again this is the beauty of football there's 32 different teams there's 32 different quarterbacks there's so many different
1: variables and anything can happen yeah and what's your best asset in any sport ever availability That is correct. And that's one thing that we can't plan for. So we sit here and tell you that the Rams and the Bucks are going to win, you know, are going to be the best teams. And then you see Matt Matt Stafford and Tom Brady get hurt. And so, and then, Mm -hmm. and then it's literally a circus. So, you know, that, that again is the beauty of the NFL. Uh, I don't know if I talked about any of the other news that happened at the beginning of this episode. Why am I drawing a blank? I don't think I did. Did
2: You you have not. Oh, I have not. You haven't talked about you have not talked about any of them any of the breaking news okay we just jumped right
1: into it we just jumped right into it because we got a little bit horny because we were so excited about the guests no that makes sense uh (laughs) there were some news around the nfl between the last episode and this episode that we haven't even talked about so let's just touch on it real quickly and then we'll wrap things up uh so breaking news around the nfl Deshaun Watson is now a Cleveland Brown. I know we talked about it throughout the episode, but huge, huge haul for the Texans to get into rebuild mode. I mean, again, I think that was best case scenario for Houston because you knew Watson was going to stick around. Uh, I didn't know who had the leverage. I didn't know how much teams wanted him or how much they were willing to give up with the allegations. And then that kind of played out in Houston's favor because then his stock went back to skyrocketing. And then you get three first round picks. Uh, You know, a handful of second rounds, a handful of third rounds. And so uh, Cleveland gets the one quarterback away from being competitive because that offense is insane. That line is crazy. You got Nick Chubb. And then I just, during this recording, I got a notification 46 minutes ago, Odell Beckham Jr. is open to a Browns return. So, so let's not, let's not, let's not put Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham out of the cards to reunite there now that it's Deshaun Watson and not Baker Mayfield. So um, that's interesting and super exciting for Cleveland, for Deshaun. I think I guess the biggest question mark is what's the NFL going to do about the whole Deshaun Watson situation? Is he going to have six to eight game suspension or is that going to prevent him you know, from playing games? I guess that remains to be seen. But I mean, um, Baker still is on the roster, right? I'm not tripping. Yeah, he's still, roster, he's still on the roster, but he, he, he so, can't be. It's impossible. So Odell's dad's going to have to watch Odell getting balls thrown from Baker Mayfield for at least, like, six games. Uh, so- dude, I, 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 I'm I very, very – like, I'll make a prediction that I – there's no way Baker Mayfield's on the Browns come, come yeah. the week one. I, I think at this point, like – he he's not good enough right like they already have a quarterback to replace him with and he openly like did you see the letter that he put out before any reports yeah. even came out like he just like as if like he's retired like it was it was yeah. made such a big deal and i'm like dude like you didn't even get traded one like two you don't even know what's happening and whenever the browns found out that they were out of the running for deshaun watson they tried to backtrack and say like oh Baker's still our future like yeah. there's no way that that relationship yeah. is not completely axed now like he's gone I he's yeah. he's definitely going to be somewhere else but um I don't know, Cleveland's all of a sudden attractive again, because when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, here come all the freaking receivers out of the woodworks being like, hey, no, we'll come play for Cleveland, when in reality, that franchise was where people go to die, so, um, I mean, again, that's that's huge for the city of Cleveland, for Browns fans, I mean, I think they thought Baker was the future, and Deshaun Watson has an actual opportunity to be the future, like, he is the future if he gets to play, so, um, that's super exciting for them, yeah. but, Couple of other things uh, we talked about it. Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts. Uh, you know, good for them. Whatever, however they want to handle that. Uh, three different free agents that were signed. Uh, Teron Armstead was the top free agent on the market, the best left tackle, probably one of the best left tackles in the NFL, if not the best. And and he goes to the Dolphins. Somebody that Tua uh, that can protect Tua's blind side, Somebody that can be a leader on a it's very technically very young not team.
0: Blindside because he's left handed.
1: Ah, interesting. <laughs> that that I guess that yeah, I mean that, that's that's true, but I, I we talked about how the Dolphins needed somebody on the line that could be a leader, that could be a veteran and this is again a match made in heaven. He gets the bag. Uh so he's gone. Uh Chauvet, Juju Smith no longer a chief. Uh Juju or I'm sorry, no longer a stealer yeah, because he's a chief. Yeah. Uh I don't I, I don't know if really you care much any anything you want to say about that?
2: No, I just wish him the best you know juju smith he like whenever antonio brown uh wasn't there that one year and he was a wide receiver one he i mean he did his best and then last year he got injured, so i mean he he's he's always gonna be a stealer and uh but uh, in in my heart, because he gave he did a lot for us when we didn't have any other receivers. So uh, no, I wish him the best. But I think the Chiefs definitely needed um, some help on the receiving core, right? That's what we talked about. Where all um all they have is uh, Tyreek Hill and then some, you know, guys like Robinson and Pringle. And so hopefully Juju Smith can fill that void that those other receivers were not able to provide. Yeah, and, and
1: hopefully Juju Smith can make a bunch of TikToks with Jackson Mahomes. He's probably gonna do uh, some. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, it, that to for me time. is a better pairing than Juju on the Chiefs. I think Juju getting to meet Jackson Mahomes and, and their love for TikTok can, you know, be very hand in hand there. Uh And then the last thing I wanted to save the best for last year show. The yeah, Vikings man. finally made a move. Talk to me. They did. They made one of the best moves. I think this, is, this was a top
0: 15 free agent uh, available. Um, something in green Bay didn't sit right. Something in the Ravens land didn't sit right. He had multiple opportunities to go to both those teams and he decided to come to the Minnesota Vikings. And he seems pretty happy. He's already taken, he's got some pictures in front of the stadium pointing towards his, you know, you know, he's he's excited. He's already tweeted. um, One of the most famous sayings in Vikings history, meet at the quarterback. That is what they used to say during the purple people eaters times in the seventies when that was considered, well, actually, it's still probably the best defensive line to ever exist so, you know, he's already excited. He gets to play with Danielle Hunter, who is probably top five defensive ends when healthy, top two when really healthy. So, you know, things are looking good. Looks like they're trying to win now. And, um, you know, with a young core um, in the uh, staff, as well as a bunch of uh, picks that are probably going to go towards the defense. And they kept Harrison Smith and some of these key pieces are still there. This does not look like a team that is regressing. This. Did improve, this team improved, and Zadarius Smith
1: just makes it that much more exciting. And I'm sure he wants to get Aaron Rodgers to the ground. Dude, we have Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith now rushing the quarterback. Again, you talked about the AFC West and how they had duos, and how having duos that can pass rush the way these two can it's everything. For stats, for stats, people in 2019, the last time again, Daniel Hunter played seven games in two years. So let's injuries aside. Let's assume the, both these guys are as as healthy as they can be. 2019, these were the top two t- players in the entire NFL to lead in pressures to the quarterback, and so you're having those two guys on the same fucking team opposite each other and then we signed jordan hicks here in the, as a linebacker we we got harrison phillips as our defensive tackle so mm-hmm. dude all of a sudden our front seven Stacked. looks pretty fucking impressive right Stacked. and so now if you go out and draft a cornerback and maybe you sign resign like a patrick peterson or something that defense all of a sudden looks very very yeah. formidable I mean, the offense is going to drop 30 points, right? So the defense just doesn't have to allow 31
0: points. And with this defense on the field, looking like we're going to allow 21 to 22 points. That looks like
1: a pretty good deal. Yeah, that, that, that seems like a recipe for more wins and losses. So let, let's hope that's what transpires, but finally some hope for us Vikings fans, the biggest move that they made in the off season against Zadarius Smith. And it's nice that anytime a green Bay Packer comes to play for the Vikings. So that's, a, that's always an added bonus. Usually, usually we've had success when that happens, yeah, Ryan well. Longwell, Brett no, Favre, like yeah, no Packer comes here and does bad. So yeah. So, so I'm really, really looking forward to that, but that, that's, that's kind of the news around the NFL. Did, uh, anything else I missed or anything else you guys got for us? No, we mentioned
0: the four net thing earlier, but
1: outside of that, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah. CMC restructures his contract 5.5 million. I don't know what the Panthers are going to do with that, but um, yeah, again, that's episode 50 NFC and the AFC South. Uh, thank you so much for Jake and D-Raj for hopping on, on this episode. A lot of great insight from, you know, the lens and the minds of actual fans of these teams. Um, you know if 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 anything else you, you learn from a different perspective whether it's emotional or not emotional whatever the case may be but appreciate both of their insights uh if anybody else during the time we talk about your team wants to hop on certainly let us know we're more than more than open to have you on and hear what you have to say about your team uh again another episode of the only playbook in the works episode 50 guys this shit just keeps moving fast and fast and i can't catch i can't keep up i mean shit we're going to be at episode 100 pretty soon and there's going to have to be something pretty special done there but uh thank you so much for everybody that listened to this episode again we're the only playbook See See you when we see you.